This is the Divine Peace Church Rockwall Podcast. Every week, we'll share a message focusing on teaching solid biblical truth in our community. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters, through Him, you may not know me, but I know you through my dear classmate and friend, Gunnar Lederman and his family. I was here for Jackson's baptism so long ago. I am his godfather. So I am blessed to be back here, not only to see him, but to see all of your faces. And I bring greetings from Helenville, Wisconsin, a place you will never hear of. It has 300 people in it. The church that I am blessed to be a part of has 450 people that come to it from the surrounding area. It is a white church, much like this one, on top of a hill. Another beacon of God's hope in the world. So I bring greetings from another portion of God's kingdom, another battalion fighting the good fight against the evil in this world and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am blessed to be with you. Peace be with you. Today, I'd like to share some thoughts from the book of Jeremiah, bringing us truth of why we can trust our God despite many of the things that we experience and we feel and we think. We read from Jeremiah chapter 29, beginning in verse 1. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jehoiakim and the queen mother, the court officials and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the skilled workers and the artisans had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He, Jeremiah, entrusted the letter to Elasa, son of Shaphan, and to Gamariah, son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. And it, that letter, said, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all of those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. 
For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. So far, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's really hard to trust people when you can't see them face to face, right? (laughs) I think COVID made that especially clear when, I mean, yeah, sometimes we could see them through a screen. This is not the same. Especially when you're talking about really heavy things or sharing things of honesty or of commitment. You want to be able to look them in the eye, to stare them down, to, to peer into their soul and see if they're trustworthy and true. Isn't it difficult to trust when you're experiencing sadness and anxiety and fear based on the experience you are having around you? People let you down. Friends that you counted on don't seem to be there. And you're afraid that things are going to work out tomorrow and your anxiety builds and it gets harder and harder to trust. You kind of build up this wall of fear that makes it harder to trust anything? How much worse is it when you're constantly hearing and seeing things on the news that are telling you that the world is falling apart, that your finances probably won't exist in six months, that all of your saving is is not good for anything, and who knows what war or challenge we might be in in the next year, if things continue to go the way they are going, and on and on and on, when you see and hear those things over and over again, it makes it harder and harder to trust. Anything, anyone. It builds up this culture of fear and trepidation as you see everything that you have planned for and thought the future would hold crumbling in your mind's eye. Your plans are are toppling like a tower, which we're all too familiar with. It's hard to trust anyone or anything these days, right? I know, because I feel the exact same. I've been a pastor for about the same amount of time as your pastor, and I can still say that. And I say that just so you know you're not alone. Our culture feeds off of perpetuating fear. They make money off of it oftentimes. As they scare you, you buy more things, buy this life insurance, you get this, or you better take better care of yourself, or this will happen, or this will happen, and and you better watch out. But our God speaks differently. Did you notice the passage that's Right in the middle of all those verses I just read, it's one that's very familiar, might be on your wall, might be a background on your computer. 
something you said to yourself, maybe it was your confirmation verse or a baptism verse or something that your family used to always say from Jeremiah 29. Right in the middle there, God said, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Those are beautiful words, aren't they? Words that I think all of us want to or like to hear. Plans that there, are, that there is a good purpose beyond the clouds. That there is hope. There is hope through all of these clouds. That there is a future that's secure on the other side. But all those other verses can be a metaphor for you that surrounding that verse in the middle is a lot of other stuff that tells us that God's lying to us. That God's abandoned us. And a lot of the evidence that we see, hear, think, and feel tell us that we can't trust God. All those things we just talked about. But you're not alone. The very same thing was going on all the way back in Scripture, surrounding those same verses for the people of Israel, God's people, who are experiencing much the same thing you are today. I think sometimes when things go bad, we tend to think, well, this is obviously the worst time in history. And the world's going to end tomorrow. And it might. Don't get me wrong. Things, things are bad. There is evil all around the world. However... The times of the Israelites when Jeremiah was writing were pretty bleak. Let me just put it in a perspective for you. You may not always like what's going on in this country or you not, might be afraid of border issues. You may be afraid of leadership issues. You may be afraid of foreign things going on and how they might impact us here. You might be worried about your own personal family and how you all fit into that. Yes, but are you still in your home? Do you still live in this country? Can you still stand up and say the Pledge of Allegiance? Yes. The Israelites couldn't say that. An enemy force had come in, destroyed their temple, the beacon of their faith in their God, had taken down every brick of it. It was Solomon's temple, the great final you know, thing that they could see of that great time in their history was gone. They leveled their walls in Jerusalem and they carried off all of their people into far-off countries and spread them out so they couldn't be a nation. So they didn't have any security of a nation, of a home, any of those things that you love. They were subject to the occupying force that had taken them far away. And the reason they were there is because they had failed as God's people. God had warned them over and over and over again to heed His warning that unless they turned back to Him and listened to His Word, they cared about what He said and they believed in God, unless they did that, they would be taken away into captivity, away from the promised land, away from God's protection. Think how much scarier that is. Not only are you out of your home, you're in a foreign land, but God's protection 
might be behind you. God doesn't want me anymore. God doesn't want us as a people because we betrayed him. They were not in a good spot. They were afraid and anxious. And everything around them told them that this was it. There was no hope. They might as well just end it now. But, a message from Jeremiah, the great prophet, who kept warning them that they didn't listen to, just sent a letter and they're going to read it in the town hall. Jews are coming. They can't wait to hear this message. God's going to give us some good news. Maybe we'll get to go back. And what does God say? What is His plan for them at this moment, this critical time when they're afraid? This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Do you hear what God's telling the people to do? The first thing, get comfy because your situation's not going to change anytime soon. <laughs> that is not what I wanted to hear, God. I'm far away from home. This isn't my family. This aren't my people. This isn't my city. They're the ones who dragged us here. I don't want to pray for them. I don't want to live here. I don't want to accept this. But that's God's word. And then he says, and don't just go find other people who are going to tell you what you want to hear that fulfill your dreams and say, oh, don't worry, in like a year, God will change his mind and take you back. Don't listen to them. They're not from me. He continues, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. It's not going to be tomorrow. It's not going to be in a year. 70 years from now, I promise, then probably your kids and your grandkids will come back to Jerusalem. You will probably never see your homeland again. That's a hard pill to swallow. And it may not have felt very good. It may not have felt like something that would prosper them. It may have felt very harmful to them, and yet God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Difficult. But notice what God is not saying. For I know the plans you have for you. Plans for you to prosper you and you not to harm you. Plans for you to have hope and a future in your way. I mean, He does know our plans. He knows what we want. He knows what we need. But God says, I know the plans I have for you. 
You know what that is? That's a call to trust. That's a call to see beyond the immediate pain and hardship of today. That's a call to actually believe in God. Do you realize that? It's actually to believe in God above yourself. It's saying, I know this is what you see and what you think and what you know. I'm asking you to actually believe in God. Not just another person who sees the same thing as you. Not just a wise person in your area who you think is pretty smart, so I'm going to listen to them. I want you to believe in me like you should believe in God. As someone who is above you, knows more than you, sees the entire picture of history and says, this is the good plan for you. Trust me. And you better believe God knows it's hard for us. He knows how hard that is for us. And that's part of the point. That's actually a big point of why God led them into captivity. Let this all happen. Because for generations, the people of Israel had stopped listening to God. Why? Because their lives were comfy. And they did get the things that they wanted. Their plans were going pretty good. They're like, well, we got our boundaries. We have our walls. We have our temple. So why do I need to listen to God? Why do I need to do things His way? Because everything seems to work out just fine when I listen or I don't listen. God's been merciful to me. Look at me. I can just keep doing what I'm doing. So God said, I want a better plan for you. I don't want you to just live 60, 70, 80 years, God willing, and have a good life. Have a nice house. Have a nice garden. Get your house just the way you want it. You got it all decorated, pretty, and you got your nice nest egg over here so you know you'll be taken care of and your kids will be taken care of financially and you'll be able to send them off to college and it'll be great. They'll get a great job and fall in your footsteps. But your hearts are far from me. Because if I let all of that happen, what happens the day you die? What happens to your children? What happens to your grandchildren? They're going to go to hell. You're going to go to hell. And we don't like talking about that in America either. But if you're thinking about an ultimate situation here, not just your life, but your eternity, is it not better that I make a plan that brings you into my kingdom? Whatever it costs and whatever it takes, is that not a worthy goal for me to take over your life and for you to listen and to trust me? Because you know that's the type of God I am. That what I want is your repentance, which means to turn back to me, to trust me so that I may lead you home. Have I not commanded you? Have I not shown you? Have I not loved you? God says over and over again, and all you have to do is look back in history. The Israelites could have seen again and again and again what happened when they trusted the Lord. Ten mighty plagues on Egypt decimates the Egyptians, and they walk out free. 
They're up against the Red Sea and the Egyptian army is coming because they changed their mind. And what does God do? <sighs> Rips open the Red Sea and they walk through on dry ground. Even when they failed and made a golden calf at the foot of God's mountain and He's thundering right above them and they're worshiping this golden image. What does God do when they repent? He claimed them again as His people. And He led them into the promised land, the promised land that they were bellyaching that they now had lost again. You know me, Israelites. Put your trust in me again. And here's the wisdom of God. He knew that that was going to take 70 years. He knows how humans are. We're very quick when things go bad. Like, oh, I'm so sorry, God. I, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. But then tomorrow we go do it again. Sometimes we need hard times to last a little while, to put us through the paces, to force us not just with lip service, but to really fall down our knees and totally rely on Him. Because we've exhausted every other option, every other addiction, every other thing that we run to for help, and we've realized that all of them don't do anything. <laughs> and then, and finally then, sadly, as humans, we finally come to God, and surprise, surprise, we find perfect peace. When we go to the Word, when we pray to God, and we cling to Him. Now let's fast forward to today. Are you frustrated that God doesn't always listen to your plan? He doesn't like taking your advice all the time on what you think you need or what you want or how you had it all planned out, how your life was going to go? Are you filled with fear and anxiety at the direction of the country and you're saying, if I was in charge, it would be going this way. Why is God allowing this to happen? Or what am I going to do in five years when you know, my finances run out because that's how much I've lost? Or whatever. Or why, God, did you allow that tragedy in my life? That's where it gets the hardest. When terrible things have happened, accidents, things that you can't explain, you, have, you cannot see one good reason for it. Why, God, was that your good plan? How could that have been your good plan? Even there, I challenge you to be still and know that He is God and not you. I know that's hard. But a God who sees the beginning in the end, as clearly as you see me right now, maybe even clearer if your vision's not great. Like, think your hand in front of you, okay? Like, how clear you see your hand right in front of you. God sees the reason why that happened. And He knows why it's good. And one day you can ask Him, or He'll reveal it to you as soon as you get into heaven, and you'll say, This is why. And when you back up with him and he says, just come here for a second and look at your life and everyone's life around you that was impacted by what just happened. 
See, all the threads, all of the evil, all of the hate, all of the distrust that you had for me then and everyone else around, and look at how I wove that together for good. And the people that were impacted by that tragedy or how you went through that and how you still went to church. You still sought questions. You still sought me. And they saw that and they praised my name. And look at all the people that are here because of that hardship. And that does not mean it wasn't hard for you and that I didn't cry with you when that happened. But I had a plan. And can you not see the good that I accomplished in you, through you, and for you? And this is the proof that fights against all that empirical information that comes in on the news and from your own feelings and all of that. This is what helps you on a daily basis. Remember that because for us, we can't see that full picture. How do we keep that focus? This is how. That simple image. That is why Christians wear this simple symbol. That's why I love Catholic hospitals because they put those on the wall in every room. (laughs) And when I do visits in a Catholic hospital, I love it because I can say, you see that cross right there? I know you're going through something right now, but you stare at that and remember he did more. That is proof that God does amazing things through terrible tragedy. He sent his one and only son to suffer and die at the hands of wicked men bearing our evil so that through his death and resurrection he might provide a way for us to be saved forever. That is proof. There's no other religion that has a beacon, it has a person at its center that has died and rose again. (laughs) Who said he was God and that all who believe in him will live too. Only Christianity. So when you're afraid, put your trust in him. And not just the him that is big and scary up there, but the him that put on a human face so that you didn't have to be afraid of him. The him that let himself be pierced and killed. It's exactly why he became man. So he could suffer more than you and for you. So that you might experience what God experiences in heaven forever. Now with a God like that, you can trust that he for sure has a good plan right now for you. Hold on to that. Keep coming here to hear the Word of God. Open your Bible. Fall down on your knees and pray. And remember that He is God. And He is for you. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. Hi, my name is Gunnar Lederman, the pastor at Divine Peace Church, Rockwall. In- Thanks for listening to the Divine Peace Church Rockwall podcast. For video sermon archives, more information, and to let us know how we can pray for or serve you, go to divinepeace.com.